Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. All right, on this week's edition of the Howl, we're going to bring you lots. Of topics, including taking a look at some of the most recent games that ended in uh, definitely a little bit of heartbreak and inconsistencies. We're also going to take a look at some statistics, and we're going to break down the current Timberwolves roster. Does it make sense the way that Ryan Saunders is using players? Are there other players we should be using instead? And then we do have a little bit of a G League preview, taking a look at the Iowa Wolves on this week's edition of the House. All right, so let's take a look at the Timberwolves and what they've kind of been doing recently. The biggest news, of course, is that Carl Anthony Towns is back. In fact, for tonight's Wolves game, one thing to consider, he is no longer on the injury report, which is good to see. Obviously, there were some complications due to COVID. It's not surprising. It's a very unpredictable disease. With that in mind, I want to really take a moment to call out the people that have been out there in the Wolves community, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's other places, that have been calling out Carl Towns, calling him really inappropriate names, attacking him, given everything that he's been through, what is wrong with you? If he takes the rest of the season to, to come back, then he does. And you let him do it, and you can be frustrated at the situation, but to be mad at Carl Towns is beyond inappropriate at this point. The man has lost so many of his family members. He has dealt with so much in this last season, or this last year, I should say. And if you think about all of that, and then you say to yourself, well, I think now's a good time to call out Carl Towns, you maybe need to look in the mirror and rethink some of your life's decisions. I just want to say that. But thank you to the Timberwolves for handling this correctly. You know, for anyone that's not aware, the Wolves do have one of the best people. Robbie Sicka is in the organization and is a COVID expert. 
and has really, I think, handled things very, very well, prepared the team very, very well over the past year. So I really kudos to the Timberwolves organization for handling this. And, of course, as a Wolves fan, I'm very happy that Carl Towns is back. But if he had taken longer, so be it. Uh, speaking of players that are hurt now, we do have another addition who has missed uh, some games. Unfortunately for Wolves fans, you get Carl Towns back and you lose D'Angelo Russell. He has uh, some leg issues. Ant actually, uh, him and Ant collided leg-wise, and it caused uh, the issue that D'Angelo Russell is currently having. Doesn't sound like it's long-term. Ryan Saunders has said it's day-to-day, but we have a game today, and then we have our next game on Sunday. He is not going to be a part of either of those games. He is going to be out for both of them. He did not even join the team on the road trip. So keep that in mind going forward. What that does to me is that opens up minutes and opportunities for other players. The thing to keep in mind, though, when I say that is there's no one that's going to be taking away D'Angelo Russell's minutes, right? When you look at the current roster as it sits, some players, when they go out to injury or when they go out to COVID, for example, and a good example of this would be Juancho Hernan Gomez, right? He goes out and, and he comes back, and as of right now, he does not get minutes. or He got a few minutes last game, I guess, but he's a player that could be replaced, absolutely could be replaced. D'Angelo Russell's not going anywhere. He is going to be the starting point guard when he is healthy. But what you look for in these games is what can Jordan McLaughlin do in his role, which if it's me, I've been so impressed with everything that guy does. He plays well on both ends of the court, and I would make him the backup guard. And I'm a huge Ricky Rubio fan, but the guy just really can't seem to correct his issues currently. So many live ball turnovers, so many bad mistakes, so many decisions on not only on offense but on defense that just leave you scratching your head I don't know what it is with this fadeaway or sideways fadeaway lefty bank shot that he keeps trying that basically never goes in I mean what is that and and the goofy thing is that who like that's not even a shot that like a good player would take on a regular basis it's one thing you know there's players that have been in this league a good example former Timberwolves Shabazz Muhammad right? The left box post-up was his bread and butter, and he did it a lot, but he went to that because he was so good at it, and no matter how good the defense was, he could still get the shot off, and he could make it. You know what, Ricky? This is a shot that they're let, they're going to let you get off in most cases, and the reason why I find it funny, though, is last game, Serge Ibaka tries to block Rubio's shot, and Rubio faked it and went in for an easy layup. What are you doing, block? Let him shoot that crappy shot. Let him shoot it. There's no reason to, to, to guard a guy like that. It's very similar to when you see the Wolves hard closeout on shooters, on guys from the three-point line that can't shoot. Let those guys take shots. You don't need to make their jobs easier. Don't close out fast and then have them drive in for an easy layup or a closer jump shot. Don't do that. And a good example of that is how the teams that we've been facing recently are guarding Josh Okogie. If you look at the most recent game against the Clippers, Josh Okogie was shooting way too many shots, way too many shots uh, when you look at the grand scheme of things. And and, and I want to dive into that a little bit, but they were letting him shoot. That's just it. There are some players that you need to just let them shoot. And the big thing to keep in mind is that's exactly why you watch film. That's exactly why the coaches break down game film. That's why you do scouting. That's the whole point of this is that you learn from that and then you implement those things in game. And we don't, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, we don't make those adjustments like other teams do necessarily. 
if you look at just overall uh, stats as a whole, we mentioned that uh, there were a lot of shots. You know, Josh Kogi had 10 points, but on a million shots. And, I mean, he's just not consistent when it comes. I, actually, I take that back. You could argue he is consistent, but unfortunately, what he's consistent in is missing shots. He's just, he's not a guy that you watch and say, all right, he's going to make the right decision here. He is out of control. There was a there was a small sample size at the beginning of the season where I felt like he had kind of figured things out, not in terms of his jump shot. That has not been there the entire season. But I felt like he had gotten a little more in control, and I don't see that anymore. Bad decisions, they're leaving you open for a reason. And if you're Ryan Saunders, how do you justify playing Josh Akogi over other players in big situations? And I would actually argue... If I'm the coach of this team, and we'll dive into this a little deeper, that maybe Josh Okoge shouldn't be getting minutes. Maybe we need to give him a breather. We did that last year with Gorgie Jang, and we've talked about this on the show before. We did that with Gorgie Jang last season, and it worked. It's worked. Ryan Saunders has not been afraid, in the past at least, to bench players to try to get results later on. That's what I would like. I think that's something that he has to examine with a couple players. There are maybe more than that. I think there's some guys in this team that have not earned their minutes. You could argue that they've earned minutes just given their career and the success they've had other places, or in some cases here previously. But right now, I think there's some players on this team that just have not earned those minutes, and I think that is definitely an issue. Let's touch on this this most recent game. So it was a 119-112 loss to the Clippers. Interesting things is, we were in this game for uh, a large amount of it, right? So you you know you lose, or you win win quarter one, you win quarter two, you've got a lead going into halftime, and that was one of the things we've seen recently that's been an issue, is that the Wolves start off slow and they finish strong. The problem in this game was the exact opposite. You started off playing good. On both ends, actually, I thought we played well. You know, instead of allowing you know 70, 80 points in the first half, we allowed 47, including just 20 in that second quarter. Right? You're thinking to yourself, all right, this is looking good. Uh, things are looking up a little bit. You know, we're up by six points at halftime. A halftime score, by the way, was 53 to 47. You jump into that third quarter, and it's like the team just went off a cliff because 33 to 20, you get outscored. And at that point, you're looking more like that team that we touched on before. Because in this half, in total, we let up 72 points. You can't do that and expect to win basketball games. So something has to change. I have seen improvements on the defensive end. That's no, that's, there's no question we have improved on the defensive end since the beginning of the year. Now, I think a lot of that is personnel. You're no longer playing Juancho Hernan Gomez, who is definitely not a positive on defense, right? D'Angelo Russell did not play in this game, which I think in some aspects you're going to immediately, just because he's not in, get a defensive increase. And that's because Ricky Ruby and Jordan McLaughlin are 100% a better, better defenders than D'Angelo Russell. But I want to give him credit because if you look at D'Angelo Russell at the beginning of the year to D'Angelo Russell now, there have been obvious improvements. And the thing about D'Angelo Russell is he's very good offensively, or at least he can be. And so what you're expecting or what you're hoping to get from him on the offensive end is exactly that. He's going to be productive. On the defensive end, you don't need him to be this amazing player. What you need is for him to not be a huge negative. If he can be just league average on defense, just doing the right things, playing smart, 
making good decisions and playing good team defense, I think that's all you really need from him if he's going to be a guy that can contribute and help you win games. Now, Jordan McLaughlin and Ricky Rubio, I would argue, are positive defenders. When I watch those two play, I see a lot of things that I actually like out of their games. Add in, now we talked about Wancho, we talked about D'Angelo Russell, but when you start adding in some of these, these defensive players, the specialists, so you've got Jared Vanderbilt, who I would say is a very good defender. Jalen Noel has absolutely been impressing me. In fact, up until recently, he was number one on the team. He was at a uh, minus 10% so for field goal difference. And what that means is when you're guarding someone, how do they shoot versus how they normally shoot? That's what that stat tells us. And so when I'm watching this, I'm saying to myself, all right, this is pretty good. Like He's doing that. Now, that number has come down. He's actually in the positives now, unfortunately. But again, it's a small sample size. So because it's a small sample, his number is going to fluctuate a little bit. If you watch Jalen Noel play, he competes on the defensive end. And I think he's a solid defender. I like what he brings on that end. So Jared Vanderbilt, him. We've definitely seen improvements from Nas Reed on the defensive end. You see all these things. And to me, I think that says a lot about David Venterpool. I think he's done a great job of getting these guys to play defense. We've seen it. He did it in Portland with players like Damian Lillard. We saw it with uh, CJ McCollum, guys that got better on that end of the uh, on that end of the basketball game. And so we're seeing that now with the Timberwolves, which is great. And I think if that's going to continue, it's going to be a lot on Ryan Saunders to use the right players, or at least to use the the players correctly. I think that's going to be a big part of our success going forward on that defensive end those are things that that people need to understand now uh, diving into uh the some of the specifics when we look at the roster as a whole let's transition into the roster itself and how the players are being used and let's actually start with this most recent game the clippers game you're getting into that fourth you're in that fourth quarter and josh okogie gets brought back in and he stinks i mean he does he's not being guarded as we touched on earlier Great. You know what? It's awesome that he's a good defender. He's a good on-ball defender, like a point-of-attack defender. That's all well and good. But if you're a huge negative on the offensive end, and as a result, people don't need to guard you, I'm sorry, but it's very similar to like the, you know, the hack of Jordan or the hack of Shaq type thing. Now, granted, you know, Shaq was dominant on the offensive end, and he... We're not... I'm not talking specifically about the players on the court. I'm just saying... The idea of a hack a player where you're saying to yourself, I'm going to create create an advantage through this player's weakness. And that's what they're doing when Josh Akogi plays. When he is on the court, what opposing teams are doing is they're saying, we don't need to guard him. So we're basically going to play five on four. We can double team Carl Towns or we can double team Malik Beasley. We can, we can double team players and we don't need to guard Josh Akogi because either A, he's going to shoot a three and he's going to miss it. Or he's going to make the wrong decision. He's going to drive. He's going to throw an errant pass. He's going to try to do too much. There's so many mistakes that can be made with that. And we already touched earlier on Ricky Rubio and the issues that we see with him on both ends of the court. I don't know if it's because, no, he had COVID. Keep in mind, he had COVID. So, again, I don't know if the issue is, you know, lasting effects, but he seems slow to me. He seems slow on the season, and that's that's a that's an issue. So you're adding in all these things, and if I'm the Timberwolves, if I'm Ryan Saunders, what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm going to limit Ricky Rubio's minutes. I want him to be effective, and if maybe all I can do is 
maybe I on the game I only play him, you know, fifteen or twenty minutes, even when D'Angelo Russell's out. Limit those minutes. And play Jordan McLaughlin more, play Jalen Noel more, let Ant be more of a ball handler if need be. You have other players that can handle the basketball and can be effective. One of the issues you run into is last season we used at least a little bit Jarrett Culver at the point guard position. Jarrett Culver's not playing right now. He is hurt. He has an ankle injury. When he comes back, is he going to get playing time? Is he going to be able to maybe play a little bit of uh, not a point guard role, but just a ball handler role? Can you substitute Ricky Rubio for a grouping of players that are going to be on the court together? There's lots of options, but to me, Ricky Rubio is one of those players that just needs a break. Josh Okogie needs a break. Jarek Culver, I'm willing to have him come back and get minutes, but not at the expense of guys like Jalen Noel. If we're going to take minutes away from anybody, you take them away, as we talked about, from Ricky Rubio. You take them away from Josh Okogie. Jalen Noel absolutely needs to play. He's a double-digit scorer pretty much every game at this point. He's efficient. He plays defense. There's a lot to like about him on the court. So let's take a look at starters, bench, how we've done things currently or how things have been going and what I would change. So to me, you look at this roster and you start with the point guard position. So you've got D'Angelo Russell when everyone's healthy. Let's start with that. Everyone's healthy, D'Angelo Russell. That's your guy, right? He's starting. That's that's not a question. you got Malik Beasley at the two. You've got Ant at the three, let's say. And then you go, boom, four, five. What are we going to do here? Ultimately, I think what, what really should probably happen is Jaden McDaniels plays the four and Carl Towns plays the five. And that is, to me, that is your best five guys. That is the most effective five guys. Now, there is the question, you look at Jaden McDaniels and the bench. Do we? Is it more valuable to have him on the bench? I would argue that if we're going to have someone off that bench, it could be Jaden McDaniels. And the reason I say that I question Jaden McDaniels as a starter necessarily, not because it's not the best option, it is. But Jared Vanderbilt is not a guy that is able to bring a lot on the defense on the offensive end. He's going to bring a lot of defense. So to me, it's one of those things where Carl Towns could use some help on defense, I think. He's definitely improving, and he makes an impact on both ends of the court, no question. But would Jared Vanderbilt being next to him offer him a little more help on that defensive end? A guy that can block shots, a guy that can do some things. I do think that Jaden McDaniels, yes, could help out more, but here's the thing. If you put Vanderbilt next to Cat and you have Jaden McDaniels off the bench, is that maybe the best way to utilize that position, right? You don't need to necessarily play Vanderbilt a million minutes, right? You can still, if you want to, and I would, play Jaden McDaniels the most of any of the power forwards. That's the way I would do things. But maybe it makes the most sense so that way we can spread out our offense to have Jaden McDaniels off the bench. And if we go by that logic, so let's say it's D'Angelo Russell, Beasley, Ant, Vanderbilt and Cat. Let's say that's your five guys. That's your starters. Not necessarily your big big minutes guys, but those are your starters, the guys that are going to start the game. And I would argue that'll change uh, based on the end of the game. We're not going to necessarily keep the starters in at the end. We'll get to that. So you have those five guys starting. Then you jump to the bench. Ricky Rubio, sorry, I can't do it. I'm not going to play you. I'm going to play Jordan McLaughlin. At least, at least give Ricky Rubio a break. Let's see what that does to him. So Jordan McLaughlin at the at the one spot. At the two spot, you have Jalen Noel. And then, of course, you're going to not have all the starters out at once. So there's going to be a little bit of a an overlap there, too, when it comes to Beasley and Ant. Same with the three position, although if you're going to give minutes to someone when everyone's healthy, 
I have no issues if you want to give some minutes to Jared Culver just to give him another shot. He's been sitting out. Now, he hasn't been benched, but he's been sitting out. And this should give him this should give him some time to hopefully get right in the head, maybe figure out the confidence issues that I think we've absolutely seen so far on the season. So you take that into account. And then on the four, of course, Jaden McDaniels. And the five is Nas Reed. Nas Reed, by the way, so impressive this last game. 23 points. One thing they talked about during this uh, telecast, actually, that was interesting was Nas Reed rebounding. And he does need to be a better rebounder. Only three rebounds is not going to get the job done. If you look at this roster, Josh Okogie with six rebounds. Anthony Edwards with four rebounds. Malik Beasley with five rebounds. Rubio with four rebounds. Jordan McLaughlin with four rebounds. If you take all that into account, Jaden McDaniels, three rebounds. All that into account, Nas Reed, and you say to yourself, all right, we have other guys in this team that are more active on the glass. And sure, that's going to take away a little bit from Nas Reed. But you know what I want from Nas Reed, at least a little bit, is kind of that Kevin Love aspect. When you watch him with the Timberwolves, anytime a shot went up and it was missed, Kevin Love wanted that rebound. He didn't care if you had to take it away from your hands and you're his teammate. He didn't care. And to me, that's what I want from Nas Reed. I want it to say every single rebound is mine. I don't care who I'm playing with. That rebound is going to be mine. And that's one thing we haven't seen from him. I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive there. But ultimately, I've, I've been so impressed. So impressed with what we've seen from him. Now, here's the deal. The way this works is that's 10 guys deep, right? Now we're at 10 guys. Maybe that's not the way to do this. Maybe the better way to do this is to go eight guys deep. Maybe we decide we're not going to play Jarrett Culver, right? And that right there, now we're at nine guys. And to me, I think when you're at nine, actually, it's probably the best solution. That's where I'm at is, is nine or ten at the most. But if you take Culver out of the equation and you're sitting there with nine players, I think that you can then get players to where they need to be minutes-wise. Because if you look at the minutes per game for the Timberwolves players, it's, it's really unfortunate. We had a game recently where Ryan Saunders said, well, they just wanted it. They played so such and such a guy. I think it was Andre Drummond. Well, they played him 42 minutes. Yeah, you know what, Ryan? That's what you do when you want to win games. You play your best players more time. And, and we're seeing this. It's almost like he's trying to be the anti-Thibs, right? Uh, when Thibodeau was here, he overplayed players. I would argue that most definitely Ryan Saunders is underplaying his players. That's something that needs to change. We need to be smarter. We need to make those decisions. Ryan has to be smarter about the way he uses players. He has to. And this last, ga- last game was a good example of that. He waited way too long during- to bring Jaden McDaniels back in, instead going with Josh Okoge. And that's a mistake. Jaden McDaniels is arguably the team's best defender, or at least best two-way player, right? A guy that's going to get the job done on offense and defense. You don't see- you're not getting that with Josh Okoge. And if you look, again, we talk about the minutes. Jaden McDaniels, 18 minutes. You're going to play a guy that's out there getting blocks all over the court. He's doing so many things well. He's hitting open shots. And you're only going to play him 18 minutes? That's not going to get the job done. That's not going to do it. We need more minutes for the players that deserve the minutes. That is something that absolutely has to change. Has to change. It's not even a question. It's something that just needs to be done. Ryan needs to make this change. As we look ahead to the the game that the Wolves have coming up, so the 6-19 and 19 Timberwolves tonight are taking on the Charlotte Hornets 12-14. and 14. And, of course, the storyline in this one is going to be Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo Ball. Not necessarily that they're playing each other in terms of defense match, defensive matchups, 
But what I'm talking about specifically is a lot of people want to say that Rookie of the Year is all but done. They say, they're saying that LaMelo Ball's locked it up. It's his ward, and that's just the way it is. But Anthony Edwards, for whatever reason, is, is an afterthought. Uh, most recently, I, I saw this yesterday, but uh, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan, they proclaimed that Anthony Edwards is a bust. I don't know about you guys, but I remember a time when I thought those guys knew what they were talking about. And it's very clear that at this point, they do not. Uh, the line for this game, by the way, is uh, Hornets minus four. I actually think that the Wolves have a shot here. Not having D'Angelo Russell's tough, but you think about how well you played or how close you played the Clippers. A much better team, by the way. A much better team than the Hornets. But you played them pretty well, and that's considering that you didn't get a lot of output out of like Malik Beasley. You, D'Angelo Russell didn't play. There's, there's things that you can improve on in this game that can give you the win. I'm going to predict a Wolves victory. A close one, mind you. I think they probably win you know, somewhere in that like four to seven point range. And this, by the way, is an away game. This is not a target center. This is at Spectrum Center. So that's where I'm at with this game. I do think the Wolves uh, end up finding a way to get the job done and winning this basketball game. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, by the way, they have uh, gone three and three over their last six games. They've been averaging 111 points, shooting just over 45%. Uh, on the flip side, they've been allowing the same, 111 points and 46% shooting. So it's interesting that they've been 50%, and they're basically you know giving up what they're taking in. And so it's one of those things where they've been, I guess, consistently, uh, maybe consistently average, it looks like. Now you look at the Timberwolves, of course. Uh, we are uh, an interesting, uh, interesting statistic over the last five games. Uh, we've actually done really well against the spread. We've had some close matchups. We really have. And that is uh, road games specifically. So I think that the Wolves find a way to get it done. Time will tell on this one what ends up actually happening. But I'm going to predict a Wolves victory. A key is going to be continued success on the defensive end. And a lot of it's going to be on Ryan Saunders to use the players correctly. Do I have... Doubts that he's going to do that? Uh, I absolutely do. I absolutely have doubts that that is going to happen. It's a little frustrating, but what are you going to do? I mean, that's kind of where we're at with this team. One thing I, that's interesting to touch on here is, and I saw this recently on Twitter, but talking about, and I've brought this up on other past episodes, but uh, the Timberwolves actually are one of the top 10 teams in terms of open shots. So they're able to not only uh, take open shots, and here I'll actually give you the specific statistic, and shout out to Jace Frederick. He's the one that tweeted this out. I've actually been tweeting it out. I've been talking about it, but uh, Jace Frederick has really started to uh, jump in on this statistic, and I, I find it pretty interesting when you look at uh, how the Timberwolves could be successful. So the Wolves take the 11th highest percentage of quality shots and they surrender the eighth fewest quality shots. And like he points out, you'd think that would mean that you're winning games. But here's the problem. We're not making shots. Now, part of that, I think that stat is a little misleading, and we've talked about this before. The Clippers game, for example, you guess what? Josh Okogie's getting good-looking shots because no one's guarding him. That's a thing. Like That's actually happening. He is not being guarded. So that's one of those things where you look at that stat and say, all right, there's a little more to it than that, but that's one specific example. If you watch these games, the Wolves are getting good shots. A lot of guys are getting open looks from three, and they're not hitting them. 
That has to change. Another another interesting thing we've seen is uh, from a, a follow that I think you definitely should follow, and that is Jack Borman on Twitter, uh, at JRBorman13. If you do not follow him, I highly suggest as a Wolves fan that you do give him a follow. But he talks about how corner threes are the only statistically significant predictor of win percentage in the NBA. So where do we rank? Above league average, actually. Uh, 79 total makes. The NBA average is 81.8, so we're right in there. Uh, so we are 16th in the NBA, so right around league average. And then as far as three-point percentage, unfortunately, and this goes back to what we talked about, not making open shots, the Wolves are 27th in the NBA at 36.6% hitting their corner threes, and the NBA average is almost 40%. So the Wolves 100% need to be better. If you're going to win games, you got to make shots when you're open, and we're just not doing enough of that. So we'll see. I think uh, there's a lot to like about what we've seen from the Wolves this season. I know that sounds crazy, but you got an early earlier look than you thought at some of your younger players. Ant really shot, has been shining, I think, and continues to improve. Because of injuries and because of COVID, you were able to get a good look at Jaden McDaniels, who absolutely looks like one of the steals of the draft, and he absolutely is able to not only uh, play at a high level, but he's able to contribute already, which I don't think a lot of people knew was going to happen. Those are things that matter. Those are things that make a difference. So keep all of that in mind going forward. I encourage you to reach out to me. You can find me at the Sports Min or at the Howl Radio. And, of course, you can find us every week on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. We are on Wednesdays, uh, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. The other thing I encourage people to uh, listen to would be uh, all of the great programming on Nothing But Net. You can, of course, find us on the Dash Radio app, or you can search Dash Radio. Go to dashradio.com slash nothing but net, nothing but net. And if you do that, you're able to listen to all the great programming that we have across our network. One of the shows, my other show, is Robin Hoop Radio. Robin Hoop is a draft show. So for anyone that's big into the draft, and here's the deal, if you're a Wolves fan, you got to be big into the draft, right? Because it seems like time and time again, we're at the top of it. And so it pays to really understand prospects. So I encourage you to, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe not only to The Howl, but subscribe and listen to Robin Hoop. I think you'll you'll definitely be able to get an in-depth look at a lot of the top prospects as we go over them on a weekly basis. You've been listening to uh, Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, and we are The Howl. A few other things I want to get to before we actually end this week's show. Uh, let's take a look here. One of the interesting things to me, I love looking at roster and how different lineups uh, perform against uh, a different team. So when you're taking a look at the Timberwolves, you know who are their best who are their best lineups, whether it be uh, you know two man, three man lineups, uh, you know things like that. You can actually go and look at all of that, and that's actually can be found on NBA.com. Uh, so I find that find that kind of interesting. If you want to take a look there, let's go over some of the uh, some of the lineups here. So looking at uh, and it's actually so lineups advanced is what they actually call it. And so if we're looking at specifically the Timberwolves, and let's take a look at net rating. Now, obviously, net rating when you're looking at that, you want it to be the highest number possible. So it's very different than what we talked about earlier, which was field goal difference, where you want the number to be negative. This one you do want to be positive. And no surprise, and this is very interesting, but you want to know what the best lineup that the Wolves have used? 
Small sample size, only five minutes. I get that. That's fine. But it is Jordan McLaughlin, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed, and Jaden McDaniels. So think about that. There's some guys on there we've talked about that are already really good defenders in my eyes. There's also some guys on that list that have been improving on the defensive end. So there's a lot to like about that lineup. Interestingly enough, uh, the second lineup that has been uh, most successful, and this is a little surprising to me, is actually Rubio, Towns, Beasley, Akogi, and Culver. Very odd rotation, very odd lineup, but only five minutes. And keep in mind, that would have been a matchup that we only could have seen at the beginning of the season. So take it with a grain of salt. When you start moving down the list a little bit, you see <clears throat> excuse me, one of the top lineups that we've actually used, and this is another, one, another surprising one, and it's a little more in terms of how long it's been used. Just 11 minutes. But a lot of the top lineups haven't been used much. But it's Russell Beasley, Aaron Gomez, Vanderbilt, and Culver. A very strange lineup. But now you're talking a net rating of 64. By the way, the first lineup we mentioned, so Vanderbilt, McLaughlin, Reed, Edwards, and McDaniels, that's a net rating of 130. 130. The second one we mentioned, so the Rubio, Towns, Beasley, Akogi, and Culver, 128. I mean, these are these are significant uh, like st- good playing. It's not subs- it's not significant stretches of basketball, right? These are small sample sizes, but just things you want to watch. Uh, when you really get into, you start moving down. Uh, Twenty minutes now is the next one that really has any sort of substantial playing time, and that's Ed Davis, uh, McLaughlin, Culver, Edwards, and McDaniel's. That's an interesting lineup, and we've seen now who's the guy that's starting to show up in some of these lineups. Jared Culver, and that goes back to what I said. When he comes back, he would be the guy that I would give a Kogi minutes to. And, 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 of course, Jalen Noel is the other guy that I really want to uh, see continue to get those minutes. And it, speaking of Jalen Noel, I say to myself, all right, if I'm going to look at some of the most successful lineups, do we see him in here? And we do. Uh, we do see him in a lineup that, again, used very sparingly. But Rubio, Noel, Reed, Edwards, and McDaniels, I kind of like that lineup. I think it's an interesting lineup. They've used it very sparingly, just five minutes. But a very good 46.2 net rating, right? These are really impressive numbers. This is exactly what you want to see. Now, on page number one, there are, if you're looking through these, there are 68 different lineup combinations that the Wolves have used. And on page one, when you're, look, when you're ranking it by your net rating, if you look at that specifically, 57 minutes is the top one on that first page, right? And that would be Rubio, Lehman, Vanderbilt, Noel, and McDaniels. Very interesting lineup. And the surprising thing is how many of these lineups have had Ricky Rubio, right? We look at that and we talk about how it seems like he just hasn't really been there, been that that same level of play. But here we are, and we're seeing him in some of our top lineups. Here's the issue you run into, though. When I say one of our top lineups, this net rating is only seven. So you talk about how some of these sparing lineups that we've used have been successful, but when you look at the lineups we've used a lot, those numbers start to drop pretty significantly. And the reason, by the way, that this lineup here, so Rubio, Lehman, Vanderbilt, Noel, and McDaniels, the reason why this lineup has failed is not defensively, because defensively, uh, this group has been amazing. 86 is the defensive rating there. Here's your problem. 93 for offense. And in fact, if you go through the listing of the top rotations that we've used, top lineups we've used, it's the worst and it's not even, well, sorry, it's second worst, but it's one of the worst, and it's not relatively close. 
And that's that's unfortunate. And that's the problem you run into is that you have lineups that are good offensively, not good defensively, vice versa. Ryan Saunders has to find a way to make this work. I mean, he has to be successful. And we've talked about how maybe maybe the answer is moving on from Ryan Saunders. I think that's I think that's a strong possibility that maybe that's exactly it. Maybe that is what needs to be done. Uh, you look at uh, an interesting uh, a lineup combination, and maybe the lineup that some people thought would be the starters going into this season, and that's Russell, Beasley, Akogi, Aaron Gomez, and Towns. That's a 4.5 for net rating. Not bad, right? 17 minutes is all it's been used. Again, that's more due to injuries than anything else. But it's been you know, pretty successful. Uh, you know, 4.5 net rating is not, not, not like out of this world, of course, but 112 offensive rating you'd take. Defensive rating of 108, that could be better. But if you were going to consistently outscore your opponents with that grouping, I think you'd be pretty happy, right? There's a lot to like about that. As we go down the list, I think it's important to now, let's see what happens. What if we go by minutes? So we take a look and say, all right, the top minutes, are we using our top lineups effectively? Are our top lineups even any good? Now, the actual top lineup in terms of minutes is the lineup we mentioned earlier. That's the Rubio, Lehman, Vanderbilt, Noel, and McDaniels group. Nothing has been used more than that. And again, that's only 57 minutes. So pretty crazy that's not used more. Uh, when you look at our next few, and let's see, let's take a look here and say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Our next nine most used groupings are all negative. All of them are negative. That's, I mean, that can't happen. That just cannot happen. And here's the unfortunate thing. Who do you think is the guy that is pretty consistently in almost every single one of those negative lineups? D'Angelo Russell. And we've talked about that in the past. Surprisingly enough, he has been, you know, in terms of the, the, the net rating plus minus, it has not been his friend. But we've seen him improve. And what you want to say is you want to watch these games and you want to say, all right, what do I want to see from the Timberwolves? Now, these are, right now, we're just looking at the five-player lineups. We'll look at some of the other ones, too. But when you're examining these statistics, uh, the thing to keep in mind is we've had those injuries. We have not had Carl Towns. What we want to get a look at, and this is why I kind of throw these numbers out the door at least a little bit, is that I want to see what our best lineup is going to look like. How are we going to look when we're playing D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns together? And that's where we're going to kind of transition into. Let's take a look at our two-man lineups uh, before we move on to a little bit of G League talk to end the show. So if we take a look at the top minutes, guys, it's no surprise that Russell and Beasley are tops. Beasley and Edwards are three. Beasley and Reed, four. Beasley and Rubio, five. And Beasley and Akogi is our, our next highest uh, used grouping. Now, here's the unfortunate part. Every single one of those is negative, all of them. And so that tells you a little bit of a story, too, now. Now we're looking at not only D'Angelo Russell, but we're looking at Malik Beasley. And when you watch Malik Beasley, the unfortunate thing for me has been he's by far our most consistent player. We get that. Been a good, been, I think he's been a solid defender. He's not all team defense like he had talked about, but he's been a solid defender at times. But what we've seen is there's been a handful of games this season where he has not shown up. You have not gotten what you wanted out of Malik Beasley. And here's why that's a problem. I mean, it's obviously a problem. But what's frustrating is 
there have been a number of games that were very winnable, and if he had just been in that, if he had just shown up, we win those games. So that's the problem with the Wolves is that you're not getting team consistency. You're not always game in, game out, getting good efforts from the same players. And so when you do get these other players jumping in and doing more and playing better, and then Malik Beasley takes a step back, that's a problem. And so that's what Ryan Saunders as a coach has to figure out. How do we get Malik Beasley to be productive while still allow or why let's see this how do we get the bench guys how do we get the depth pieces how do we get more of the roster to be competitive and to jump in and pitch in while still getting Malik Beasley to play at a high level that's going to be one of the big things that we need to look at uh, if we're if we're going to be successful now we're still on the two-man rotations and what I want to take a look at specifically is two-man guys or two-man groupings what is our best grouping you're going to be a little shocked at this, but the number one grouping is McDaniels and her, and Aaron Gomez. A 33 net rating, 100 offensive rating, 66 defensive rating. That's crazy. That is crazy to me. Second best, Wancho and Vanderbilt. How about that? Wancho is actually in some of our most successful lineups. That's If that's not surprising, I don't know what is. Uh, looking at some of the other guys that you see kind of in these rotations, McDaniels, not shocking. Jordan McLaughlin's up there, not shocking. And unfortunately, you know, these are these are small sample sizes in some cases. But how about this? This is interesting to me. Jaden McDaniels and Jordan McLaughlin, a hundred and let's see, 133 minutes they've played together. 14.6 net rating. Let that sink in. Let, let that sink in how impressive that is. Those guys need to get minutes. We've touched on this. You know who's not in a lot of these good two-man lineups? You know who we don't see in any of them? is Ricky Rubio. And what that tells me is that when we look at those successful five-man groupings that he was in, he's not the reason. He is not the reason that we're seeing that happen. Carl Towns and Jared Culver are pretty high up there, which is interesting. You haven't seen that much, but you'd like to going forward. Hopefully get a look at that pairing. So, of course, the answer, the question that we're answering ourselves is, where does Carl Towns match up with uh, some of these other players, some of the starters specifically? So one of the rotations, of course, we'd be looking at would be Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. So we are, at, uh, we are on page two to get to those two. And uh, when you're looking at the net rating, it is a positive. Barely, but it is a positive. And that's what you want to see. Of course, we talk about how they haven't really gotten to play much together. 90 minutes total. Obviously, that's not enough. That's that's obviously going to have to change. Hopefully, D'Angelo Russell can come back stronger. I've seen people uh, using these weird narratives, these weird conspiracy theories saying, oh, you know what, D'Angelo Russell's out because they're trying to give Ryan Saunders as much time as possible. And once, once, that, once that changes, once D'Angelo Russell's back, once Carl Towns is back, and those guys are playing together, that's going to open up the curtain. And we're going to see behind that curtain. And all of a sudden, the wizard isn't so wizardly anymore, is he? All of a sudden, he's shown for what he is. But I would argue that if you're going to go that route, think about this. We've already seen Ryan Saunders fail. And I would say fail miserably in many instances with how he's managed this roster. I think the team already knows that Ryan Saunders is struggling as a head coach. So what they want to see is they want to see but... That's the big question mark, right? They say, but. Like, yes, he struggled in this situation, but. He struggled in this situation, but. And, and what they want to see is 
what is Ryan Saunders going to be able to do when this roster is fully healthy? I'm willing to give him that, but to me, I'm giving him only enough leash, like a tiniest amount of leash, right? For any dog owners out there, you can't let your dog just run the show, right? You have to, you know, kind of rein him in a little bit, keep him under control, and make sure that uh, he, you know, things don't get too out of hand. And that's what I want to see uh, going forward uh, when we look at uh, the way this team works. Once Towns comes back, once Russell's back, once we're healthy, no more excuses for Ryan. I don't want to hear any more excuses from anybody, media, the team. I just think it's at this point we can't have it anymore. Let's take a look now, uh, some stuff to go over when it comes to the G League. And, you know, here I'll tell you what's really frustrating for me is uh, something that uh, was talked about recently. One of my friends was asking, why did, why did Ashton Haggins not play in the first Wolves game? That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question, right? You look at that and you say, all right, what, what, uh, what was the reason for that? Well, here's the problem. A number of players, Haggins included, violated protocols, and they are going to be missing games because they have to quarantine. How? Let me ask this again. How can you be a teammate of Carl Anthony Towns, everything he's gone through, and you're not going to take this thing seriously? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And they're very, the NBA's done a great job of doing this, right? And they have the gubble, as they like, people like to call it, the G League bubble, right? They've clearly, there's, I don't believe for a second that these players weren't aware of the rules and what had to happen under the bubble. I don't believe for a second that these guys didn't understand what not only what had to be done, but the consequences of their actions. Be better. Be better. This this shouldn't be rocket science, people. This should not be so difficult. And yet here we are saying to ourselves, all right, this it happens again. Uh, some things to look for, though. The, the Wolves had their first game recently, and uh, they did take on Long Island. And a close loss, unfortunately. I do think if you had uh, your full roster of players, things would have been differently. But very, very impressive. Uh, a number of players really showed up in this one. Uh, a big name to watch for uh, going forward. I can't claim that I know a ton about him as a player. But Tyler Cook, 14 of 20, finishes the game with 31, excuse me, 31 points, a steal, two block shots, uh, only two fouls, and then 10 rebounds and 9 assists. Almost a triple-double. Very impressive there. Another guy that I think a lot of Wolves fans were really excited about was uh, Alonzo Trier. 26 points. 26 points. Uh, he was fantastic. Two assists, six rebounds. You're seeing some nice play for some players here. I mean, there's, there's things to like. A guy that I'm, I am just a huge fan of, uh, he hasn't done a ton, although I, I have seen him play and play well at times, is Jordan Murphy. Uh, only 17 minutes in this one. Uh, nine points, which is good to see. Uh, he's a guy that is just able to rebound the basketball so well. Eight rebounds in this game. Uh, did have four personal fouls in 17 minutes, which was not ideal. But what you want from Jordan is for him to uh, take good shots, and you want him to grab rebounds. And he was able to do just that. One of two from the three-point line. Three of two overall. Or, sorry, three of six overall for Jordan Murphy. Um, some of the other big minute gets. Uh, let's just look at the guys that played, right? So we talked about Murphy. But let's say, uh, so Isaiah Briscoe, Jalen Morris, uh, Lonzo Trier, of course, Lindell Wigington. Uh, he's a guy that's been with this organization for a little while now. Uh, Zillin Cheatham, Tyler Cook, and Canyon Berry. 
Kenny Perry is a, a fun prospect, or not even, I wouldn't call him a prospect at this point. I would call him kind of a minor league veteran, been with the, the Wolves for a number of years in that system, whether it's Iowa Wolves, whether it's with the Summer League. But he's kind of a fun player to watch, uh, puts in the effort, although he did not do a whole lot in this first matchup. Next game for the Iowa Wolves uh, is coming up, and that is actually today as they are taking on uh, Agua Caliente, and that's going to be, looks like that game can be found on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, and for anyone that's interested in that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, and a big game that I think we're all looking forward to as Wolves fans is going to be February 15th. I believe that's, uh, I guess I don't know what kind of day. I think that's coming up uh, early next week, and that's going to be when Iowa takes on the Ignite. So uh, they're taking on the Ignite. Lots of good players there. Lots to like about that. So that's where we're going to end it for this week, uh, this week's edition of The Howl. Tune in every week again. We can be found on Dash Radio's Nothing But a Channel, and we are on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. That's Central Standard Time. For anyone that missed any part of our show on Dash Radio, you can find us in podcast form anywhere podcasts are found iTunes, Portient, Stitcher, Spotify. We are found on all of those places. We strongly suggest uh, that you give us a like, give us some reviews. And, of course, subscribe to the show. We're going to have lots of good content coming up for you. We're going to start bringing on some more guests. A lot to touch on when it comes to the NBA and Timberwolves basketball. And until next week, let me get a howl. And we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. said, you know, I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Bryce. Wiggins drives it.